0: Buckle up. I have a lot to say. Um, I am not going to say everything I need to say, um, but it's mostly because I'm going to forget things. I'm going to pass right over them. It's not because I don't want to say it. The topic this morning started out very small. Um, I read through the passage, I got the main idea, and I went, there's my message. I need about five minutes. And then I studied it more and reflected on it more and kept going, and now I need about five hours. I will not keep you here that long. (laughs) But I will begin with two stories that are related by the same topic, but are quite different stories. The story is told of two women in Shanghai who were discussing the topic of pride, and they began to wonder if Hudson Taylor was ever tempted to be prideful because of his many accomplishments. One of the women decided to ask Taylor's wife, Maria, about it. Maria promised the women that she would find out. When Mrs. Taylor asked her husband if he was ever tempted to be proud, he was surprised. Proud about what? he asked. About all the things that you have done, his wife explained. And Taylor responded, I never knew I had done anything. Here's the second. After resigning his pastorate to go lead another church, a pastor was approached by an endearing older member of the congregation. She wept over the pastor's decision to leave, and she said, things will never be the same. The minister tried to console her by saying, oh, don't worry, I'm confident you will get a new pastor who is better than me. She continued to sob and replied, that's what the last three pastors have said, but they just keep getting worse. (laughs) This morning, I want to talk about humility. And in both of those counts, they are stories, if you were to go and look and say, I want an illustration on humility and just type that into Google, you would find both of those stories on multiple websites, stories of humility. In the one case, a man who's accomplished much, who says, I, what are you referring to even? And one who would say, don't worry, there are much better people than me. Um, In both cases, they are meant to be examples of humility. Humility. I am convinced and I will explain why that neither one of those really represent biblical humility. Neither one of them are what we see in Christ as our example of humility. And so I want to ask a couple of questions this morning. Number one, why does humility matter? Number two, what does it look like? And number three, how do we do it? Why does humility even matter? Number one, because it matters to God. Listen to these verses. I just pulled a few. Listen to them carefully. You'll know a few of them. One of them is very famous. You can find it on like t-shirts and bumper things. I mean, it. If my people who are called by my name, here's the word, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If they will humble themselves. Here's another one from Psalm 25. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Psalm 76. From the heavens you uttered judgment... The earth feared and was still when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Isaiah 66, and listen to this whole thing, it's two verses, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, what is the house that you have built for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord, a statement of the massiveness of who God is, followed by, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Just from those little verses, We hear that God saves the humble, hears the humble, leads the humble, and gives favor to the humble. And did you know that in Scripture, the only thing associated, the only promise given of God exalting us is connected to humility, both in the Old Testament and then quoted twice in the New, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humility connected to exaltation, but nothing else. It matters to God. Humility is really significant to our Lord. And it was what characterized Christ. And we're celebrating Palm Sunday. If you go read the accounts in Matthew, specifically quoting the old, you'll see the line, He came humble and mounted on a donkey. It's why this day, all of the readings, if we did them all, they're all connected to humility. Because even when Christ came to present himself, he did it in a humble way. And our passage that we're looking at today in Philippians 2, we are going to be reading what is sometimes called the hymn of Christ, and it starts in verse 6, but we're going to look for just a moment. Verse 3 says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, And that drives everything else. Count others more significant than yourselves and he'll begin to describe it and ultimately lead to, here's what Christ was like. How important is humility? I would argue that it is the crux of following God in the way that he wants us to follow. That all the way through, it's who he listens to, it's who he leads, it's who he wants to save, It's who he wants to use. It's who he will exalt. And it is the way in which Christ lived his entire life on earth. Humility. So I want to share something with you that I hope you are aware of. If you are not aware of it, I would remind you that today is March 25th. What I want to share with you is that April 17th, your taxes are due. Just in case you were unaware of that, you might want to get on it. Now, it's two days later than normal because April 15th falls on a Sunday. April 16th is a federal holiday. And so I had to go two days, which means what? Two extra days to procrastinate, right? You know what you see right now a lot as you drive around? The people dressed up as Statue of Liberties. Have you seen them? They're out there dancing on the street. They've got the signs. They're twirling them. Some of them are really good. I mean, they could hurl them up into the air and catch them. I think they did batons when they were younger. But they're just out there dressed as a Statue of Liberty, trying to do what? Get you to come into their tax office and have them do your taxes, right? I want to share a few things about the Statue of Liberty. The statue was brought over from France in 214 different crates, Put together on a base over a four-month period to celebrate 100 years of freedom. It stands just over 300 feet tall if you include the base. The statue is 151 feet tall from base to torch. The rays sticking out are nine feet long and weigh 150 pounds each. The whole statue weighs in at 450,000 pounds. At its feet lay broken shackles as a symbol of freedom. I was driving by those people dancing and doing their thing one day. This was a couple years back. And a friend of mine whispered, that is so disrespectful. And I kind of laughed it off because I look at them all and I laugh and I think it's kind of funny. and, And then I began to think about it. That is not the intention of the Statue of Liberty. For them to utilize this amazing symbol for themselves to gain something out of it, to pull people into their business so they can make some money. It stands for so much more than that. And if we are to recognize it for what it's worth, the question should not be how can I utilize that to gain my advantage, but how can I recognize that for what it stands for and honor it appropriately? Why should we think humility is important? Because ultimately, our faith is not primarily about me and how I can use God to get what I want. It's about recognizing the greatness of God, and saying, what is it that you want? And over and over again, he comes back to the concept of humility. So, what is humility? All right, here's why I opened with those two illustrations. They are illustrations that at one point I likely would have used. I would have taken that Hudson Taylor thing and been like, see that, that's what we all need to be. We all need to look at our accomplishments and be like, what, I accomplished something? No, no, God did all of that, right? Isn't that what we want? Let me tell you what Hudson Taylor accomplished. He served the Lord in the mission mission field for 51 years. He established 20 mission statements He sent 849 missionaries into the field. He trained 700 Chinese workers. He raised over $4 million, and he had 35,000 converts to his name. Don't tell me he did nothing. This man did a lot. Humility is not the denial of our gifts. It's not acting or pretending like we haven't accomplished anything. That is not humility. And I'm not saying, I don't even know if that story is true, by the way. Um, there's all kinds of stories that are made up about people on Bible websites to give you illustrations for sermons. Half of them are not real. They sound great, but they aren't real. I don't know if that's true or not, and I don't know what Hudson Taylor meant by it. I know what I would have meant by it if I would said it. A false humility. I really haven't done anything. I really haven't, God hasn't accomplished anything. That is not true. And you cannot be humble with that attitude. The other one is also not illustrative of true humility. Oh, 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 there's better ones than me. Yeah, there probably are. But you also probably were a good pastor. And putting yourself down, that's not humble. In fact, we all know that can be the opposite, right? Right? That can be prideful. Look how humble I am. I'm not as good as all of these other people. Those are not, that's not biblical humility because it misses a very significant thing. When we look at the way in which Christ lived humbly, we're going to notice a few things. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter two. Here's the problem with both of those things. They are too easy, they are too shallow, and they are at best a parity of the humility of Christ. Humility is not pretending that we are less than we actually are. Nor is it denying in some way the truth of who we are. To be humble We have to embrace everything we are. We have to embrace our gifts. We have to embrace our accomplishments and then use them for the Lord. So, if you look at chapter 2, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul begins by saying this I want you to think as Jesus did, I want you to have the same attitude. I want you to judge things as he judged them. We're going to look at his life here in a second. I want you to see how he looked at the world. And I want you to judge in the same way. I want you to evaluate in the same way. Have that mind. Here's that mind. Who though he was in the form of God, that is acknowledged right up front. Everything he is is not denied nor does he pretend like it isn't there. The very first thing, because you can't have humility without this, is he was God. Folks, what are you good at? What are you gifted at? Are you smart? Are you athletic? Are you good at business? Are you patient? Are you wise? What are you? What has God blessed you with? What have you trained for? Humility is not the denial of those things or pretending you're something less. If you are an amazing teacher, you need to recognize you're an amazing teacher and not be like, oh, no, no, no. Those people over there who can't teach at all, they're better than I am. I'm awful. That's, you can't be humble that way you have to acknowledge the truth because the other way is easy and it is shallow and it is often the opposite of humility. It is a different way of showing pride. It starts by acknowledging he was God. Here's what's interesting to me. Um, This is a mathematical way to think about it. I think often we think of humility as subtraction. I'm gonna take away things from me like this isn't really true so that I can be this thing over here. For Jesus, it's addition. He is fully God. And yet, as we'll read, there's more to it. You're fully whatever you are, but God wants to do more with it. And so we keep reading. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. He was this thing, but he did not demand that everybody see it, that everybody acknowledge it, that he gets the benefits of it. He did not grasp it. He did not reach out and say, all of you must acknowledge me for who I am. You must do these things. I must see in you the recognition that I am all this. He did not have to have that. This is the first step into humility. For Christ, it was a choice, and it was an action. I am these things, but I will not force them onto others. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Instead of grasping and holding on to those things, he let them go. He did not deny them. He let them go. In order to be, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Here's how Christ did humility. It was, I am all of this, but... I will submit all of it to the Father. And in submission and obedience, I will follow where he leads. I will use all of this in the way that he wants me to use it. I will not have this over here and be demanding that all of you recognize me for it and acknowledge it because all I need is him. Him to acknowledge it. And by the way, hear that promise Humble yourselves, and he will exalt you. And that's what's happening in Christ. He is submitting all he is to the Father and not asking anybody to exalt him. And ultimately, as we read in the passage, it's the Father who will exalt him, who will lift him up. That is what real submission looks like. Real humility. Acknowledging who I am and yet submitting it to the Father. Humility is actively choosing something other than what we deserve because we trust in God. I read this story. It came out of a reputable magazine, and so it may be true. Once upon a time, a writer came across a few soldiers who were trying to move a heavy log of wood without success. The corporal was standing by just watching as the men struggled, and the writer couldn't believe it. And he finally asked the corporal why he wasn't helping. And he replied, I am the corporal, I give orders. The rider said nothing in response. And instead he dismounted from his horse. He went up and he stood by the soldiers. And as they tried to lift the wood, he reached out his hands and he helped them. And with his help, the task was finally carried out. George Washington then quietly mounted his horse And went to the corporal and said, The next time your men need help, send for the commander in chief. That is humility. The willingness to dismount and do what needs to be done without recognition, and yet there was no denial of who he was. When it needed to be said to the right person, it was said. That's humility. And for Christ, and I think this is maybe the hardest part, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There are no boundaries to humility. Christ went all the way. At one point, he is talking to Pilate and he says, I could call on the Father and he would send a legion of angels to come. There was a point when Christ could have stepped out of his humble state. He could have been rescued. He could have stopped this whole thing. He does not. Because true humility is a lasting trust in God all the way through. Not because it's easy. Not because, well... God's gonna just do everything I want him to do. It's because we trust in him more than we trust in ourselves. It's because we believe what he wants more than what we believe we want for ourselves. And so as we go through those hard times, we can still trust. He was obedient even to death. All right, a couple of quick things. How do we do this? Number one, we look to Christ. That's what Paul was doing in this passage in Philippians. Have the same mind as Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are not being asked to do anything that Christ has not already done, but to a greater degree. He humbled himself far more than any of us in this room could ever humble ourselves. Because he is greater than any of us will ever be. And so we're being asked to do only what he's already done. And him saying, I've blazed the trail, I've already gone before you. Follow in those footsteps. Number two, we look to the Father in multiple ways. Um, we need to see the greatness of God. While humility is not a false sense of our accomplishments or somehow just putting ourselves down so that we can combat pride, if we see how great God is, it is really helpful in understanding where we really are. Last time I went to Israel, not this past trip, but trip before that, um, in one of the churches that you go to, um, there's a section where there's an altar set up um, and it's one of two places where they believe Christ was crucified and there's a, a hole where the rock that the cross would have been on you can reach down it's all blocked off to preserve it, but you can reach down into the hole and you can touch that rock and and you watch people and just there's this huge line it's you know one at a time people going and there's a, a, a stone um, stones in front of it brick that you go on it's the floor and the first time I went I was watching my whole group go and there were two women that kind of jumped in at the end of our group before I could go both women walked on their knees all the way over to that hole reached down and touched came out and walked on their knees all the way to the end and I just not seen anything like it, and I was thoroughly impressed, and I had all of these ideas in my head like, wow, I wonder what they were doing, and I get like, what that mean to them, and nobody else is doing that, and are, we didn't do that, and are we bad people? And there were all kinds of things I was thinking. And I am not a brave person when it comes to social things. I usually don't talk to people very well, um, but when I'm in a particular role, I do a lot better. I have more courage. And at that point, I was in the role of a leader because I was helping lead this group. So I'm like, I'm going to go talk to these ladies and ask them. Went up and started talking to them, and I said, I was watching what you were doing, and I'm just wondering why you were on your knees. And they both kind of looked at me, and I thought, great, they don't speak English. (laughs) This is not going to do any good. Um, And I said, were you doing that to remind yourselves how small you are? And one of the ladies, and after listening to them, they were probably Russian, probably Russian Orthodox, And the lady said, no, it was to remind us how big he is. And that is distinct. One is putting myself down, the other is going, wow, I know what I really am, because I know what you are. Humility comes out of that, recognizing the true greatness of God what Christ has done, who God is, and... I'm going to skip that. i got to cut some things out. Um... Looking to Christ as our example, as our Lord, and as the one who's given up more than everyone else, looking to God and his greatness and who he truly is so we have a better view of ourselves, Um, here is what happens when we lack humility. It means missing out on God exalting us and instead exalting ourselves. It means missing out and hear this because lots of us struggle with this. It means missing out on the freedom of trusting God as we serve. Because instead of being able to just serve there's a constant kind of anxiety or need to have to be lifted up, to have to be recognized. But when we trust Him to do that there's a freedom to serve in ways that we can't otherwise. And It means missing out on taking responsibility for our actions. Because in our pride, when we have to defend, we can't then release. We can't then go, well, I'm trusting you with lifting me up. I don't have to lift me up. And so when I screw up, I can actually screw up. I don't have to have that hanging on me and figure out how I'm gonna defend myself. I found this quote, and I thought it was just a great. It's from Jim Anderson. The world is full of men who want to be right when actually the secret of a man's strength and his pathway to true honor is his ability to admit fault when he's failed. God wants to fill the church with men who can say they are wrong when they are wrong, a man who is willing to humble himself before God and his family and say, I was wrong, will find that his family has all the confidence in the world in him and will be much more ready to follow. But when he stubbornly refuses to admit his wrong, the confidence erodes as does the leadership. There are so many areas of our life, church, where humility and pride war, and when pride wins, the damage, the disaster, the anxiety, you can only exalt yourself so far. God can do a far better job. And as I thought about this, I will end with this illustration. Who's tried to drive on Main Street? Yeah, try. Um, it's a mess right now. I mean, it is just a disaster as they are trying to widen these lanes. But before they can widen them, they're burying the lines. They're burying the cables. All right, and I want you to think about that, the image. Hey, right now, going down Main Street, you cannot miss those God-awful, ugly power lines I mean, they are giant running along the side there. All right now, those god awful, ugly power lines, they're doing something valuable. They're bringing power to our homes. I mean, we wouldn't be turning lights on and, you know, using our AC. And it, they're valuable. They're doing something. They are serving, we're paying for it, I know, but they are serving the community. However, you see them, they are high and lifted up. Here's what's happening right now. They're burying them. They're putting them underground. You will no longer see them high and lifted up, but you know what will still happen? They will still serve you. You will still get the power coming to your home. You just won't have to see those ugly things. And can I tell you, pride is damn ugly. It is one of the ugliest things we have. It erodes everything around us when we have to be lifted up, when we have to be seen. But when we can bury that, I didn't say get rid of it, I said bury it. When people don't have to see it, but we can still serve, we can still give because we are trusting God with who we are, with what we do, and with our future. There's a freedom there. There's a joy there. There's a release there. There's community there. That's what we're called to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. His amazing humility. To be God but not require All of that to be seen, but instead to become one of us, to live our lives, to know hunger and tiredness, to know frustration, to know obedience to the point of death, but to submit it all to you and to trust you to exalt him. Lord, may we move towards that in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen.